Hi, I'm Andrew Dubber. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF Podcast. I first came across the name Ethan Diamond on the 8th of September 2008. I'd been blogging about music online for about four years, and I'd just published a book for independent artists about the technologies and the opportunities of the internet, and also how to think about the relationship between artist and fan in that context. And I got this email, which, of course, I've kept. It says, Hi there, Andrew. My name's Ethan Diamond. I'm a long-time reader of your blog and a big fan of the 20 things you must know about music online. In fact, after reading it several months back, I formed a startup to address many of the issues you raise in the book. My new company, Bandcamp, is essentially a publishing platform for musicians. If at all possible, I'd like to demo it for you sometime Friday. We're tentatively scheduled to launch next Monday, the 15th. I'm in San Francisco, but it's easy enough to demo over the phone, provided you're in front of a computer with an internet connection. Thanks very much for your time. Hope to speak with you soon. Ethan Diamond. Now, since getting that email and being kind of blown away by the service itself and then agreeing to come on board as a kind of advisory board member, I've been a close follower and advocate of Bandcamp. I really think it's a fantastic thing for artists. And today, if you're listening the day this podcast comes out, Friday, May 1st, 2020, Bandcamp's doing something more than usual to help artists in the light of the COVID pandemic. That small percentage they take off the top of each sale, that's going directly on to the artist. Now, last time they did this back in March, over $4 million went directly to the artists using the site. So today and the next few first Fridays of the month are going to be great days to support independent music. Now, I hadn't spoken to Ethan for a while. He's been busy growing the platform and the team, but I thought that this would be a really good occasion for a long overdue chat. So from a small room in a house in San Francisco, here's Bandcamp CEO, Ethan Diamond. Enjoy. Ethan Diamond, thanks so much for joining us for the NTF podcast today. Thanks for having me. Um, we have a bit of a history, so we should probably start at the beginning. When did you first encounter what I was doing? Well, let's see. I think that was in 2000 and I want to say it was 2007, right? When you came out with... Uh, it was new music strategies, right? And you had 20 things you must know about music online. Did I get that? Wow, you can remember that title better than most people, including myself. <laughs> I think that was it. And there was one, there was a, there is a, one of the, one of the 20 uh, in there really stuck with me. And that was here like by. Right. That music is, is unique compared to books or, or film in that the order has to be, you hear it, you know, you hear it a few times, you decide you like it. And then you buy it. And this was, you know, in 2007, right? When everything was 30 second snippets online. Yeah. And that just never made any sense to me. So, you know, one of one of the things that from the very beginning, um, what we wanted to do is make a service that really embodied that particular point of yours. Right. Wow. Okay. So nobody buys music anymore. Did, have you been told? <laughs> We, we okay. We are up to on average, on an average day, um, people buy seventy-eight thousand records through Bandcamp per day. That number again? Seventy-eight thousand. Wow. Yeah. So I've I've always I always felt like yeah that was a line that uh, people were saying in two thousand seven already because of um, piracy. Right. And we demonstrated that you know if you actually give people a way to directly support an artist they want they want to take you up on that they want people want to help create more of the music that they love right because right. it makes them feel like connected to the process like they're 
they're helping make it connected to that artist. And I, you know, I think that was, that was true already when, you know, streaming didn't exist and it was piracy that was on everyone's mind. And now, you know, I, it still exists now that I think piracy, um, it, well, isn't so much of an issue anymore. It's a niche activity, I think. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so, okay, so just sort of, you know, um, first principles, what is Bandcamp? Well, we didn't start this way, but nowadays and for a while, um, I like to say that we are an online record store and music community. And I think, you know, what what's what uh, our sort of key differentiator is, is that um, we're a place where people directly support the artists they love and connect with those artists. and. It's also a unique in that about half the sales at this point are for physical goods, right? So it's not just digital music, it's um, vinyl and cassettes. And like last year, 300,000 cassettes were bought on Bandcamp. Wow. <laughs> you know, this, this talk about niche, uh, niche activity. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's insane. Has it ever been a great time to be an independent musician? I think it's always a great time to be an independent. I, I wish I could be an independent musician. I don't have the, I don't have the musical skills to be an independent musician. But I was just listening to a piece of music that you were on. So there's a, a twenty minute loop track where you've got a baritone sax solo. Oh, Maybe no this way. is why, why he's got the, uh, where he's got the site set up in the first place is to send people to that track so that he can get all those royalties from that uh, the Huskadoo cover. Yeah, that's right. That was really fun. I can't believe you found that, that was a long. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, everything's available on Bandcamp, you know. Um, but uh, it's a particularly hard time to be an independent musician right now, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the and this is, uh, you know, th this has been really the reason that uh, we started doing these um, these fundraiser days because independent musicians lost uh, such a huge part of their uh, income with uh, the loss of um, loss of touring. But yeah, we. Uh, we hope that we can help at least in a small way with that. So what's the idea? Well, um, so the idea is that, uh, well, on March, so we already did one. It was back on March 20th. Uh, we uh, did a day where we were just trying to raise awareness uh, around the impact of the virus on uh, independent musicians. And, um, and so we waived our fee uh, for a day. And then, um, you know, normally our fee is it's 10% on physical, 15% on digital. And, uh, and then you've got, you know, payment processor fees on top of that. So the average usually going to an artist is about 84%, you know, so if somebody pays 10 bucks for something, it's mm -hmm. 840. So, um, but uh, we, on the 20th, just dropped our fee entirely. And the response was uh, was amazing. Um, it ended up being uh, 4.3 million dollars in, in 24 hours, which was over, wow. and it was about people bought about 800,000 items uh, in in that day, and it was about 15 times you know a normal what what you know what was a normal Friday for us, and um, and yeah, I you know the other the, the other thing that stood out. Uh, really a lot was the response from the the community you know a lot of labels uh also announced that they were going to pass on their uh sales directly to artists that day and you know these aren't this isn't like warner and universal right right you know these are, these are independent labels there are about seven thousand independent labels on the platform and so that was just that was amazing to see and so many also just so many artists and labels uh 
announcing that um, they were gonna uh, pass on all of the money they made that day to um, you know, food banks and other uh, relief organizations. So it was really um, a, the community response I think was really the most um, you know, hardening thing I think to come, to come out of that. So because that was such a, uh, such a success, uh, we decided that we would do it uh, more. And so we're doing one the first Friday of the month for uh, what we announced is uh, the next three months. So it's starting uh, May 1st is the next one. And then uh, the next two Fridays after that. And that's, you know, after that, we'll, we'll kind of see where things are and reassess. And are your shareholders delighted to be giving all this uh, tidy profit away? <laughs> well, I would say, you know, so Bandcamp, um, we're also not like a mega mega funded uh, company, right? In in 2007, 2008, we took a little bit of uh, VC funding and um, and then focused on getting to profitability. Um, so you know we we did that in got there in sort of 2012, and that's helped us maintain the mission, maintain you know the the vision that we've had for the company for a long time, and. Um, and yeah, so I think that uh, everybody's pretty thrilled with, um, with the way the way we've been able to do that. Yeah, fantastic. And let's let's talk about the origin story for a bit. The sort of uh, comic book one. Um, you basically you came from essentially inventing webmail, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, Odd post. That was back. What was that? Nineteen ninety nine. And yeah, it was a basically when. Everybody was using Eudora and um, Outlook, and um, a friend of mine and I uh, started working on a system to to bring that online. You know, so this was before like you know Gmail and it, like Hot Hotmail existed, but it was very uh, very basic. Uh-huh. So we our idea was to you know try to um, to build more of a desktop experience on on the web, and you know DHTML was kind of just that was being used for button rollovers and things like that. So we, we thought, well, we can use that for more than that. And yeah, so that's, um, that's where I started. And then um, in 2000s, so that company uh, in 2004 was acquired by Yahoo and I worked there for three years and then uh, yeah, started working on Bandcamp. And this is you and Sean, right? Yes, that's correct. Sean Grunberger. He's my co-founder and CTO. Okay, so tell me a little bit about him. What's uh, what's what's the hook between you guys? Well, we started, the, our, the first company we worked at together was a company called Half Brain. And that was um, back in, let's say, I probably started in 1998. And that was even early, you know, that was even, okay, so that, that was the very first um, company, as far as I know, that was really using um, this new, at the time, new technology, DHTML, to try to make an application inside of a browser. And what they, what Afbrain did was a spreadsheet. So it was making Excel inside of a browser. And, uh, and from there, we started working on a presentation program. And, you know, it's all of the things that it's, uh, that we all now do with Google Docs and Google Sheets and those things. We were, that, that was what that company was doing. And it was really successful. But then 1999, uh, hit and um, everything kind of went poof. You're talking about the bubble. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay, so, that, but that's where I met Sean. Sean was an engineer at Halfbrain, and um, and you know uh, I loved working with him, and we always wanted to work together again. So yeah, we ended up. Um, it took uh, 
took about eight years, but we, you know, we ended up back together um, at uh, at Bankhead. So, how do you go from um, webmail to music? Well, so there was a band. It was you know two thousand seven. Uh, I was working at um, a Yahoo and trying to decide what uh, what I wanted to do after that. And this band that I really liked um, decided that they're going to you know put out a new record, and um, and. They did that, and on the day uh, that the release came out, I went to their website, and the website just did not load. And you know, this is 2007, right? So it's MySpace is the is what you had um, besides, besides this. So, so I thought when when the website didn't load, I thought, uh, all right, they're just overwhelmed. I'm going to check back a couple of days uh, from now, and I did that, and um, and at least loaded, but it did it really, really slowly. And, uh, and there was kind of this, you know, weird interface to check out because this was also the time when Flash was very popular. And so there was always some sort of custom, you know, crying black crow flying over the screen or something that you had to interact with in order to click to skip intro. Yeah, no, I don't know what it was. So, so, um, but I paid for the album. And, uh, and then nothing happened. Right. And, and then I found an address, an email address on the site. And, um, and I got an email back from who, from who I think was the lead singer. And he, he said, you know, sorry about that. Here's the link to the album. And it was a zip, uh, like a zip file link. And it was totally open, right? And, um, and I clicked on it and, uh, and it, uh, it worked. The music was there, but every track had a title like master three parentheses final dot MP3, right? And so it, there were these really low quality MP3s. And, um, and they all had these strange names and so no metadata on them. And basically I just, I ran into every sort of technical problem you could imagine. Um, but when I finally got the music, it was amazing. Right. And to me that made, you know, the situation, uh, just tragic because, you know, it was clear that a lot of people weren't going to get to hear, um, this amazing record because of all these problems. And that just, you know, that killed me because I love the band. I thought they should have all the success in the world. And, you know, this was a problem that was begging to be solved. Hmm. And so your solution was make a shop? <laughs> Basically, you know, so the solution, right, was that uh, at the time, um, if you were a, uh, if you were a blogger, right, you had, um, if, if your artistic output was words, you had blogger, movable type, and uh, a bunch of others, WordPress, right? And what they let you do is create a site very quickly uh, that was entirely your own, where it would just say like powered by WordPress or powered by movable type at the bottom. And if you were a musician, uh, what you could do was either, you know, go to MySpace where you, know, you give them your content and then they show a bunch of ads and it's like MySpace, MySpace, MySpace. It's a, their brand everywhere sure. or you know, whatever, hair gel uh, ads and stuff. Or you, know, you could do what this band did and they pay an engineer, pay a designer, spend a bunch of money and end up with something that didn't quite work, right? Mm -hmm. And so that just seemed crazy to me. Like, why is it that if you, if you make words you have all these great options. And if you make music, you know, you're kind of out of luck. And so the initial inspiration really was 
hey, let's make, you know, a white label service for artists that's kind of like what, you know, blogger, movable type, et cetera, are doing. And so, you know, there was no community aspect at all. There was just the idea of, hey, let's let somebody upload their music in really high quality, right? We want, that's, that's really important to us. So you'll give us a lossless file. And then we're going to do the hard part of like transcoding it to all these things that, you know, Again, it's 2007, right? So there are all these people like Flack and Apple Lossless. And there's still a lot of people like that, right? But I would say there are a lot more of them then. And just make it really easy to hit find a play button and play that, listen to it a few times, going back to your, you know, here like buy. And then give a really easy, give those people a really easy way to give that artist some money for their work. And you know, that just, that, that was the simple concept that, um, that took off. And I think that one of the, um, the big moments for me was when we started looking at the search terms that people were using that landed them eventually on Bandcamp to buy music. And we were finding all these people ending up at Bandcamp who bought something, who had initially searched for like the name of an album or the name of an artist, plus the word like torrent or Lime Kazaa or whatever these things were, you know, all these pirating sites who ended up basically at Bandcamp and, and because of the presentation where it was really letting the artists present their stuff as the artist, not as Bandcamp. Yeah. They saw that and went, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to pirate this. I want to just pay the artist directly for it. And, and when we saw that, it was like, okay, this is, this is working. And, mm-hmm. and that wasn't, you know, it wasn't obvious that that was going to happen from the beginning. I, I can't say I knew for sure you know, that that would be the business model. I just knew I didn't want it to be advertising because I've, I've been in that world and didn't particularly enjoy it. Okay, so there's one thing that stood Bandcamp even sort of more apart uh, than anything else. And this was this idea of, you know, this album costs $5 or more if you like. Yes. And, and that or more if you like was actually a lot more powerful than, than I would have thought, certainly. Um, whose idea was it and how successful was that? I wish I could remember whose idea that was. I feel like, you know, obviously the, it felt to me like it was one of these sort of collective moments where um, Radiohead had done their um, pay whatever you want for this, right. uh, for this album. That was in Rainbows, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. But it also felt like, well, you, we should give the artist more control than that. You know, you should be able to say, this is five, this is, five bucks, seven bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you want to say, right? It's your audience and your album, maybe your album's 200 tracks and you know, you spent 10 years on it. I don't know, but you should be able to set the price yourself because you know, you know, your audience better than we do. And, um, and if somebody wants to come along and pay more than you set as that minimum, then great, let them do that. And, um, that's, that started happening. I want to say that was in the product from the very beginning. And I feel like it also, well, I think it, well, it started working immediately every day. So just to give you an idea of like how this, we used to, this was before when we started, it was like before Slack. And so we were using IRC. So it was one channel only the whole company. I was, the company was four people and we would just write to each other. And when there was a sale, um, one of our engineers had written a little bot that, you know, put the sale it right into the chat system. Yeah. And so, so you would be, you know, you would be typing a, a question about, you know, some piece of code and then some, and then it, and then it would suddenly, there would be a bot line that said, cha-ching, you know, so-and-so just paid $20 for blah. Right. Okay. 
and that happened infrequently enough that you know we could have that in the in the main channel. It did not happen seventy eight thousand times per day at that point. And um, every day, somebody would say it would sometimes say, "Ching, so and so just paid a hundred dollars for this, you know, one dollar track or this seven dollar album." Yeah, and it was just so cool to see. I mean, it was just that's the generosity of fans, the passion, like knowing that people were doing that because you know, this piece of music really resonated with them and they wanted to express that appreciation because like I said, you know, that, that appreciation creates that connection with the artist and that's just so powerful. So it was great. I, I, it's cool to see. Yeah. And there's some other things that uh, have been kind of tried along the way as well. I mean, uh, I know you've been quite keen to get vinyl happening. Yes. Uh, and there was BC Wax uh, in the early days, and you had some releases uh, as that, and then you did the the Cities compilation. Did you do more than one Cities compilation? No, we didn't. We just did the one. I mean, a lot of this was... So the BC Wax, we did two releases as part of that. We did the, um, the, the one uh, around Oakland, where we now have uh, uh, the headquarters of sorts. Yeah. And we're still a distributed company, but um, so a lot of that was just figuring out, okay, we need to be very familiar with the pro I, I wanted to be very familiar with the process of making vinyl and, and coming up with, you know, the packaging and, you know, listening to test pressings, finding a good facility and all of that. Um, because it felt like this is going to be an important, you know, part of the business, but also just because that's what I grew up, you know, listening to. Yeah. Um, that's what my parents' record collection was on vinyl. And um, that's how I mostly listen to music just because it gives me that, you know, that feeling, right? Uh, I don't, it's not an audio quality thing for me personally. It's just, you know, I, for me, it's a tactile thing and also just a process thing. I like committing myself to a, to a whole record and, and, uh, and going through that yeah sure so anyway uh as like i said about half the business now is physical goods and vinyl um is the biggest part of that by far and um is also growing the fastest mm -hmm. so um so we've taken a lot of the things that we learned from doing those uh couple of um sort of early tests and um have uh, used that to create this service that it basically allows people to press vinyl without a lot of the, well, first of all, without the risk, um, because you don't have to front, you know, $3,000. Um, the way the system works is that's um, the, the pressing is funded by your fans who are ordering record. Yeah. And also um, just taking away, or at least trying to make a, a lot friendlier, the sort of domain expertise you have to have to, to press vinyl. So you know, we've built a, an interface for letting you specify a record that tries to demystify some of that. And we've been in a pilot phase with that now for quite a while. We're trying, you know, there's a lot of tweaking to do. Um, and uh, we're, we're getting ready to roll that out really, really soon to a lot more artists. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one. I think it's going to be fun. It's, it also, I should mention, takes away the hassle because we do all the fulfillment. Right. So, you know, when your when your record comes back, um, you, when a record gets returned because of a corner ding or something like that, you know that's that it comes to you. Yeah, it comes to us. We handle that. We happily handle that. Right. And, and I feel like also that's just doing. <laughs> I feel like this is a good service for the world. I once in the early days ordered a record on Bandcamp. They came back to me, and it was packaged exclusively in a, a single sheet of newspaper. <laughs> like somebody had taken the. 
a single sheet of newspaper, wrapped up the record, put postage on it, and it and made its way from it was Norway. Wow. It made its way from Norway to, you know, San Francisco. And, you know, it was completely destroyed, but it's one of my favorite records. It's this amazing record. It's my event called Koppen, K-O, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's K-O-P-P-E-N. Okay. Yeah. Koppen sounds right. It, it's, yeah. it's so good. But the record, like the jacket is just like, you know, peeled off more or less. Anyway, yeah. um, I like the idea of trying to get as many records as possible to people in proper packaging and you know so that so that 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 happens to fewer people anyway yeah because how things look too seems to be really important to Bandcamp. like when you were doing the uh like for instance the solar rosa album on uh, bc wax and sort of the early vinyl experimental days the artwork for that's just beautiful and you didn't need to do that they already had artwork on the uh on the original but um but that's translated into the stuff that you're doing with editorial it's stuff with, that you're doing with the, the look of the website where does that kind of graphic uh impulse sort of come from I think that comes from uh, a desire to make music uh, an artifact, you know, that, that, um, that's something that people want to collect. Like I, I, there was an early, um, I mean, first of all, it's just, I personally, you know, I'm into design and like things to have a good interactive experience and look cool and all that business. And I've, you know, always, always had that um, interest, but um, there was a, I, I went to a concert, like, 11 years ago and at the merch table you know there was uh you could get the record um on cd and and vinyl again this was like long before this was a sort of at the start of digital and i got the record home and opened it up and it was a black record in a uh white sleeve inside a you know flimsy piece of cardboard that said the band's name on the front and they, the whole i mean Part of it is a financial thing, right? That's that it's expensive to do anything beyond that. But if you are going to make vinyl, I feel like you've got, it's not a format choice, right? It's not just, oh, I want vinyl or I want a cassette. It's, I want this thing, right? I want to hold this thing in my hand while I'm listening to the music. And I think part of this also is like, when I was a kid, like ACDC's Back in Black, I remember holding that record and like the embossed you know, ACDC popping out of the front and just like being, oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you yeah. know, um, and, and also just like pouring over liner notes. And I felt like from the beginning, what we wanted to do is make Bandcamp kind of like a shrine for people who kind of take, like really give a showcase kind of opportunity for people who take that much care. And there's so many labels and artists who do. There's like Ostinato Records and um, Analog Africa that create these, you know, killer uh, designs with, you know, 30 page booklets giving you the entire history of like every single artist that appears on these compilations or records that they do. And, and I just love that. I mean, I want, I, I, you know, when you're sitting down with a record and, you know, you get to, to completely um, immerse yourself in it like that through the art and through the liner notes, that's just, it's such a pleasure. And I, I, I want to make sure that, um, that Bandcamp encourages that, right? So we'll have lots of um, big art and, you know, places for the liner notes and places just, you know, for context, basically, because right. it's just so important. Yeah, one of the things actually that, that raises an interesting point is one of the things that's uh, struck me about my Bandcamp experience is that there's a lot of 
compilations that uh, that really are of interest to me. They sort of open up really fascinating realms of archival music or music from places that I've never been or heard of. And and there seems to be it's not just bands sticking out their latest releases. It's all this lovely curated stuff of people putting things together. Is that possible because of Bandcamp, or was this happening everywhere and and we just didn't know about it? I feel like it's always been happening, but um, we definitely tr- take. Uh, we put a lot of effort into highlighting that when we see it. So, you know, three years-ish ago, we started the Bandcamp Daily, which is um, the mission of, of the Daily. It's the, our editorial arm. And it's just to highlight, you know, this incredibly diverse world of music that's on a site where, you know, anybody can upload anything, right? And the result of that is that you have, you know, weird subgenres and, um, and a lot of uh, music, I think, that wouldn't necessarily be covered anywhere else. And I, I, you know, all they do all day long is kind of go digging through this and, and highlight things like that. And it's really, um, it's fun to see what people put up. Yeah, right. it's really great. Yeah. The pressing vinyl thing, obviously, uh, the, the sort of the first knee-jerk criticism for that would be, oh, you're just destroying the planet. But that's actually not the case. I, I sort of had a look through, and there's a, it's not probably well known, but Bandcamp's carbon neutral, right? Yeah, that's right. We try. We've um, we're in the midst of sort of overhauling all of the um, the corporate pages on the site. You know, for like what is Bandcamp for artists and labels, and part of that will be an environmental page that just that's not up yet, but um, yeah, early on, one of the things that um, we wanted to make sure that we did was um, was try to get uh, our operations to be um, to be carbon neutral. So that led us to um, moving uh, a lot of the infrastructure to uh, to Google. Um, their operations are carbon neutral, and um, also uh, doing. Um, offsets for all of our air, you know, it's a distributed company, so there's not that much travel, but uh, for all of our air travel, um, we work with a company called Atmosphere that um, basically funds uh, um, renewable energy projects with, uh, it's not just planting a tree, you know, it's a, it's a really cool organization. And then uh, for vinyl, you know, we, we aim longer term to have the production of vinyl happen as close as possible to where we see the uh, the fans of that um, of that particular uh, artist living so we're moving moving things around as little as possible and uh, and yeah we um, we have a couple other actually announcements about um, about this uh, that are coming soon but um, one of them is that um, we will be making all of the uh, the production of the vinyl records uh, that come through this service um, carbon neutral. Well, that's fantastic. As a distributed company, and and obviously you say you don't travel very much, but you do. Do you still do the get-togethers? And you know, because you guys have expanded quite substantially since I was at a band camp camp. Yeah, that was so. We're now sixty-eight or seventy people, something like that. And um, we it was. I think it was eight or eight to ten or something. Oh, when, when, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sixty-eight. It still feels to me like it's a pretty small company, but it's the same. It is. Yeah. Thing about you know thinking thinking about you know when we were eight is it's um a different different world now uh so what's interesting is most if not all of those eight are still there right yes yeah yeah everybody's uh pretty much for the most part the early folks are are still at Bandcamp. so uh we do still do an annual gathering um but just finding a place where you know 
we can host 70 people um, started to become a little bit more challenging. We couldn't just rent, uh, you know, we started off just like renting a vacation house, you know, um, an Airbnb kind of thing. And, um, and now we go to uh, Arizona to a, a ranch um, out there that, uh, that can accommodate us for a while longer. Um, and yeah. Is the culture anything like, I mean, is it still sort of big happy family or, or is it just a bit too kind of uh, now too diverse, too unruly, too, too many different people to get a handle on that sense of it? There's definitely a transition somewhere in there from um, feeling like when we had these gatherings that every single person, you know, had to be in the same room together um, or else they would feel like excluded to oh, there are now, you know, several groups of people doing different things. You know, there's a group of people over here, you know, jamming. There's another group of people over here, um, you know, playing card games. There's another group over here um, uh, doing karaoke, you know. So uh, that was, uh, it was nice to see sort of that, like there, were, I, there was a year or two in there where it was like, you know, just trying, struggling, I think, to keep it like everybody is all together at the same time. And you were making sure that, you know, everyone is, um, you know, part of sort of the same uh, group. And now, yeah, there's just lots of lots of little groups, but I am happy to say that, you know, everybody, I think, feels like they're, um, I don't know, contributing, I think, to something really positive. And um, there's just, you know, at events like these, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, good feelings. So I, right. I, I don't think that's been lost uh, in the transition to, you know, being a little bit bigger. That's cool. There's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, and I'm starting to think they might be the same question. Um, the first one was that you don't see a lot of ads for Bandcamp. And the second one was, how come Bandcamp doesn't get mentioned in all these uh, press articles about music services? Are those related questions, or, or is this you know, a deliberate under-the-radar thing, or is it sort of just we don't pay for advertising? How does it, how does it work? Well, uh I kind of, I view the Bandcamp daily uh, as, uh, as our marketing, you know, that's that we invest obviously pretty heavily in, um, in the daily and making sure that we are doing our part to, um, to highlight some of the music that's on the site um, and helping uh, artists uh, promote their music on search and uh, within social media is something that we're definitely looking at. But I don't think the kind of, you know, advertising that works for like mass market services that um, also, you know, have sort of massive venture backed, um, vet massive venture backing would really, you know, it, it doesn't work I think for us, you know, bus, bus ads and billboards and that kind of thing, right? The, the economics are, are different. And, um, and I think also part of it is just a little bit my, you know, personal preference, right? I, I like the idea that Bandcamp is um, kind of hangs out in the background, right? And just makes this, all of this stuff work and, um, and also hopefully helps the artist promote themselves, you know, um, and it's not about, you know, Bandcamp, Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. That's changed a little bit over the years because, you know, we, like I said, we started off as a white label service, but then the, the power of the community started to become apparent. And now, now the community drives about 30, 35% of the sales that happen on the site. In other words, like artists recommending other artists, our discovery tools, 
people's collections, you know, a fan can have a collection page and discover, um, you know, new music through that. Um, so I, I like all of, I like all that community being sort of the, the advertising that happens um, and not, uh, you know, go here to, um, you know, interact with Bandcamp, right? It's go here, go here because this favorite artist who you love is here and they're telling you to go here because that's where they get, you know, that's where they get the best deal. That's where you can support them directly and connect with them directly. And to me, that's just like so much more powerful right. to, to a, a true, you know, anybody, anybody who's a true fan of an artist, I think would react much better to that artist, you know, giving them that pitch than, than us. It is astonishing to me still that there's a lot written about music services and people still don't like think to include Bandcamp. I mean, that's not just flying below the radar or, or you know, using other avenues. It, it seems like, it seems like, I mean, at best laziness. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, here, the way I think about it is when, when, it, when I was growing up, so this is like, you know, listening to music in the 19, late 70s, early 80s, there were lots of people who exclusively interacted with music through the radio. And then there were people who like bought tapes and bought vinyl records and not everybody, you know, needed to do that. Right. Every, there are a lot of people who are just totally happy listening to stuff on the radio. They like music. They turn on the radio. They have this channel. That's kind of the style of music they like. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's exactly what's happening now. You know, the streaming services are a lot like radio and playlists are a lot like radio. And then there's this different kind of person who wants to go deep and interact with the artist and own the music and all that kind of thing. And it's an, you know, that's a, that's a, a subset and I'm happy to cater to that subset. And that doesn't need to be, you know, the, the billion dollar, you know, company and a lot of the, um, the talk, I think, the coverage of music services, you know, understandably focuses on the things that appeal to the largest segment of the population and also, you know, have the biggest dollar signs behind them because those are, that's, those are, that's interesting, right? Oh my God, this company raised this much money. Can you believe it? And, you know, is worth this much money and is having sort of this effect on artists' careers and like, you know, whatever, three tenths of a penny for that. And oh my God, you need 3000 streams to, to make one hour's minimum wage. Like all of that's very, very interesting to talk about. It's not necessarily as interesting to talk about, hey, did you know that there's also a place where you can actually just give the artist the money and they get almost all of it? Right. You know, I think that's very interesting and awesome and artists do too, but it's not, it doesn't, maybe not quite as. It doesn't sell copies. No. <laughs> How's the subscription thing going? Because there's some artists that you can just pay annually and, uh, and you know, get the, all of their music. Yeah, that's working really well for some artists and for others. I don't think it's the, uh, it's the right thing. You know, it's um, what we found is that, uh, that some artists felt like, okay, this puts a lot of pressure on me to produce. And on the fan side, the reaction was, Hey, there's no pressure. You know, I just want to support you, right? And, but but because um, it it uh, does, I think, create some of that uh, pressure. It just it's right for some artists and not for others. You know, some are absolutely creating you know more than sustainable 
careers doing that. And um, and so what we what we wanted to do is take what we what is working for the artists it's working for from that service and apply it to more artists on the site. So um, we recently, uh, as in just last week, uh, launched this community feature. So in addition, you know, when you go to a typical Bandcamp page, you see music and merch. There's now a community tab where um, just like a subscriber can, you know, talk to all of their sorry, an artist who uses subscriptions can talk to all of their subscribers. Um, now anybody can do that um, to their followers and use that as a channel to you know, promote their music. And previously that was just something that was doable by um, people who had a subscription or people who used our artist app because the artist app lets you uh, target your messages by like you know, who's spent more than this amount of money or who um, is in this location, let me send them a message. So that's now something that just exists on desktop and that came right out of the, uh, the subscription service and we're seeing, you know, ton of people using that so that's that's cool there's a lot of moving parts now I mean, when you come to sort of think of them the uh the record pressing and the subscriptions and the uh app and then there's the artist app and then there's uh you know but you're not big on releasing features it's not like there's a a new rollout every friday or or something like that How, what's the process of kind of introducing something new to the Bandcamp kind of offer well, deciding what to work on next, that that has always felt like the easiest part of the job because it's we it's whatever benefits artists the most. That's because, you know, the, the way Bandcamp makes money is if artists make a lot more money, sure. right? So that's what we try to do, spend every day doing. And so we sit there and look at, you know, okay, well, final is sales are exploding on the site, but let's look at the numbers. 9% of the albums on Bandcamp that have had a sale in the last, you know, year um, only 9% of them are available uh, on vinyl. And yet we're seeing this explosion uh, in the amount of money being made by that 9%. Can we bring that to more and more artists? Okay, let's try to do vinyl pressing because we actually saw, you know, this is actually another feature where it's the behavior of the community that inspired it. We saw people doing a fundraiser essentially for a vinyl pressing mm -hmm. by you know, listing a physical item on Bandcamp and then in the fine print, you know, saying this is not actually made yet. You know, if I get to this many orders, I'll do it. And we're like, okay, actually, this seems like something we could, you know, build a product around. That pretty much happens with every feature that we build. You know, some of it is inspiration, but a lot of it is just like looking at the community and thinking, of look, seeing what they're already doing or trying to do and, um, and, and thinking, okay, which, which of these things is going to, have the most impact for artists. What about third-party integrations? Other sort of uh, music platforms of, of different varieties that you can kind of plug Bandcamp into? Right now, we don't do a whole lot of it. I mean, we have a um, we have an integration with uh, with Songkick to show live shows um, in you know the there's a sidebar essentially that shows uh, where people are playing next. But other than that, um, we haven't done a whole lot of it. In the early days, we built an API. And uh, have to admit, a little bit of a frustrating experience with that API, where um, a little too much of our um, energy ended up um, going into um, policing usage, which I, you know, I hate. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to sure. do that. It, you know, we it was the terms of the API were really clear, but a lot of people were still using it to create things that you know would like play a stream and. In, and not, you know, show the the artists 
work next. Like the idea was here's a stream. If you want to um, uh, use that and the ability to show like the fact that the artist has vinyl or a t-shirt or, or a digital album for sale next to it, you know, you can do that on your own site. Um, but instead we just immediately saw, I mean, we saw some of that and that was great, but we also saw a lot of people just like putting ads next to those things and, you know, not, and doing things that just have no benefit to the artist and hurt the artist. So, you know, you can kind of play whack-a-mole with those things or, or not. And we just figured, okay, we're going to revisit this when we can do it properly. And we haven't had the time yet to do that properly, but we still need to do that properly. I definitely, I'm not like anti doing this. I just, I, we, the early effort when we were a really small group of people, it was just clear that like, okay, this is not something that we have the time to, to do right, right now. So, um, so yeah, it's no, it's, it still exists, but it's kind of like a, a secret, you know, that it's there. I have to ask one thing that you've done that uh, I guess would have surprised a lot of people is you've actually opened a physical record store. Right. Well, I would say, okay, I would not call it, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a record store. It's a showcase, you know, there, if here is a, a, a fun Bandcamp fact, if you wanted to have just like one copy of every record that's on Bandcamp in your record store, the record store would be about twice the size of that um, tower records that's still in Tokyo, you know, in Shibuya district. Yeah, okay. It's like nine stories or seven stories or something like that. It would have to be like twice as big as that. And you could only have like one copy of each record. So it was clear that like, we can't have a rec, we can't have a rec, bank camps, the record store, right. Uh, if yeah. you, you know, the online record store and, um, and, but again, like going back to your question about, uh, you know, design, um, what we wanted to do is have a place that sort of showcased what we felt like was like the, the best of uh, Bandcamp in terms. So our editorial team um, promotes uh, or it's curated, the, the, the selection of records in the store is basically curated not only by the editorial team, but by the designers. And the idea is, you know, this is great music and also kind of inspiring in terms of like what music can be as an artifact, like as a, as a physical thing. Right. Um, and then also just like to people who walk by every single record, you know, you can take off the, the shelf and sit down and listen to, and, you know, just remind people of that experience and kind of have them associate that with like what Bandcamp is. Like it's a moment where you can like really connect with this artist and want to support them. And the records, you know, these, all these records are in a space that is also a performance space. And before the um, virus hit, we were in the process of building up a video series around that, you know, so we have had um, several artists come in and play and film them. And we're building up this video series, which I think is, you know, going to be on hold for a while now. Sure. Um, but yeah, we just wanted primarily, I think, to create a showcase and a, a a space to interact with the community because you know after eleven years of you know working in libraries and cafes and um, you know co working spaces and stuff like that, like having a spot where artists traveling through the area where we could actually meet with them and you know talk with them and not not get interrupted uh, by somebody ordering coffee or whatever it is like sure i felt like okay let's do that so um we found a really good spot in oakland and it's right next to um to the fox theater which is a, an awesome venue um in oakland and uh it just felt like a natural natural place to 
to open something up. Is there plans after all this is over for a second, third, fourth store? Not right now. No, this isn't uh, like, um, it, yeah, it's not like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So May 1st, where this, this uh, podcast is going out Friday, May 1st. Uh, it's, I guess, Bandcamp COVID day. What are you going to be buying? Ooh, okay. Hmm. Let's see. What do I have right now? You got a wish list lined up? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. I want to get the new Jamila Woods. There's a record by Patty Steer, this one-man band from uh, the UK. I know Patty. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, amazing, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, totally. Um, actually, just it's not on my wish list anymore, but um, I just got a couple records uh, from the Lewis Express, this band in Leeds that does soul jazz. Do you know them? No, I don't. It's they're so good. They're like they remind me of um, uh, like Marion McPartland, who you know did the piano, piano jazz. jazz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like her music in the 1960s, like it, they're kind of like that. Wow. And, um, but, but I, so they're, they're no longer on my wish list. I just got those, but, um, let's see, I want to get Batsumi. Oh, there were a couple. So we did this, the Bandcamp Daily did a, um, did a story recently on the hundredth anniversary anniversary of the theremin. Okay. And there are a bunch of records in there that I wanted to check out that I think I might pick up as well. Um, that's a really fun, fun story to um to take a look at uh let's see i'm i'm sure i'm going to say this incorrectly but there's uh i think it's i think it's pronounced goldman thibodeau and the lawtel playboys that's from there's a new orleans um label uh called nouveau electric records that um that i really like that uh, was started by um the guy who uh he's the um the leader of uh, the lost bayou ramblers which is a great, um, great uh, Cajun punk band is okay. how I would <laughs> describe themselves. And so he started a label that um, that features uh, some of the music um, from Louisiana, the part of the world he's in, um, that I wanted to check out. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of like a little smattering of some of the things. What I end up doing, like what I ended up doing on Mar- last last time, was there's so much le- work leading up to this thing that um, it's kind of a frenzy on the day too. And I think in the last like three hours when things finally calmed down, I sat down and like listened through again, a bunch of things on my wish list and took care of, took care of it. <laughs> but, but I didn't have, I didn't have all those, like, I didn't have the, Oh, these are the five things already in my cart, you know, ready to go. I know a lot of people are doing that, but, but yeah, sure. I have to say also, I don't, you know, even though I think it's, it's um, obviously I want to support people on Friday and I will just like I did last time, you know, it's um, the economics on any day when you buy a record from an artist on Bandcamp are heavily in favor of the artist, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. It's, it's uh, on Friday, it'll be something like on average 95% going to the artist because there's still like credit card fees. Yep. And on Saturday, it'll be like 84% going to on average to the artist. So, you know, I have, I, I'm going to continue just, you know, getting stuff uh from folks on Bandcamp when when it pops up and i like it i do like it that the ceo of the online music store still buys music directly from the artist it doesn't it isn't one of the perks of the job oh no come on you gotta do i mean that's the whole the whole point right there's no way there's just, i think there's somebody i don't remember like 10 years five years ago it was like hey you know should we give all our employees gift cards you know it's like no of course not 
<laughs> everybody buys music directly from artists on the, like just you know that's that's the spirit of the thing so sure so what's what's the exit strategy <laughs> i have to say you know i don't think about the exit strategy like i think about the mission and making the best possible thing for artists and i just i haven't I, it, it, I'm occasionally asked this and, you know. Well, you're a Bay Area tech company, so it's, it's one of those things that's going to be asked. Right now, you know, we're at a point where the company is just growing nicely. And when you're growing nicely, um, I think that what you spend your time thinking about is like, okay, how do we make this work even better? How do we make the product better? How do we make more money for artists and, you know, work again towards this mission? And the time for thinking about an exit strategy, um, I don't know, to me, that would be like, okay, uh, this isn't working, better figure out like what else to do here with this company. And that just, that hasn't been the case for like 11 years, because I feel like, you know, we've, we've kind of just always stayed focused on the impact that the company is having. So, yeah, I know that's, um, you know, I don't know, that's this maybe not the, uh, the answer that, um, I don't know, an investor is looking for, but, um, but I hope that that's, uh, it's just, that's the truth. It's a nice answer. I think that's, it's a, it's something that most people I think would want to hear that, uh, that the mission is the mission and, uh, and growing that's the, the way forward. Yeah. And I'm confident that if we do that, you know, there's a positive outcome that's not just for us, but for artists as well. So that's, I think, you know, that's going to stay, stay the focus for the foreseeable future. Fantastic. Uh, is there anything that we can do to spread the word? Absolutely. Tell people to buy music from Bandcamp and support artists on Friday for the next uh, first Fridays for the next three months. I think, um, you know, last time it was uh, a huge success. I just I hope it keeps going and I hope uh, that it helps out uh, a lot of artists um, in at a moment where it's really uh, pretty challenging for a lot of people. Fantastic. Ethan, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That's Ethan Diamond, and that's the MTF Podcast. I'm off to go and pick a few items off my wish list. I hope you'll do the same and support the independent musicians that you love. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share, like, rate, and review, and I'll catch you next time. Stay safe, have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Cheers.